All right, well, I think we're uh, going to get started. Welcome to the Wisdom for Dissidents class. Oops, I just lost my place in the book of James. Some of these, some of these chapters, when they're so far behind, when they're so far in the back, you know, you pick up your thing and it flips right over. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start by reading from uh, the book of James, and then we're going to do a prayer, and we'll get into the introduction of Wisdom for Dissidents. Um, James chapter 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. And uh, with that, God's word, let's uh, all bow our heads in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd be with uh, the teaching of this book. I thank you for this book by Jeff Myers, and I also thank you for your scriptures in, in the book of James. I pray that you'd be with me as I try to... Uh, lay out what we have in this book, and, uh, and I pray that it would be glorifying to you. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. So, you've all got the introduction, correct? Going over that real quick. Um, today we're going to go over the course introduction, starting with, uh, ch we're going to start with chapters 1 and 2. Um, and the way that this book is laid out, I've, I've read the whole book, um, chapters 1, 2, and 3, don't even really get into the book of James. Chapters 1 and 2 are, uh, um, chap chapter 1 is an introduction, and I'll read a little bit from that in a moment. Chapter 2 is uh, the dating of the book of James, the authorship, and uh, some of the main themes. So we're going to get a little bit into those today, and a lot more into those next week. Um, and today we're going to get into why this book and why now. Um, January 22nd, is that the right date? Yeah, January twenty second. Um, we're gonna we're gonna finish up with chapters one and two on the 29th. We'll go into three and start chapter four. Chapter four is where um, this really starts to get into the book of James and lays out a lot of uh, what we're going to be dealing with. So that's when we get into the more meaty versions of of this book. Um, also on the 29th, we're gonna have a memory verse, James one twelve, um, February fifth. Uh, we're going to do chapter 4, Suffering, Wisdom, and Maturity. And then we're going to have uh, a bye week, if you will. Um, Yuri Brito on the February 12th is going to be teaching. That's correct. And, uh, the, and so we'll continue again on the 19th, How God Makes Things Right. Um, chapter 26, we'll be going over, uh, sorry, February 26th, we'll be going over chapter 6. And we'll have another memory verse that week. And then we're going to finish up uh, at chapter 7, March 5th. And then we're going to take a little break because this book is a, it's a very big book. Um, it's, it's, a lot, it's a lot to uh, digest and I don't want to do it a disservice by, uh, by going through the whole book trying to cram it all into seven weeks. So we're going to take a little break in there. We'll probably have another Sunday school class. I don't know if anything's planned yet. And then we'll pick up again in a future Sunday school class finishing the, uh, the book. 
Um, does that ever, anybody have any questions about any of that? Um, so, why this book and why now? Well, I'm, I'm going to get into that, but first I want to uh, go over Jeff Meyer's little caveat that he had in the introduction. So here he says, I will end this introduction with one caveat. I don't want to, the title to raise false expectations. This is not a comprehensive manual for Christian dissidents today. This is a commentary on the text of James with some contemporary reflections. For example, I don't commend or critique any of the current options put forward by our Christian leaders about how to live faithfully in our increasing post and anti-Christian culture. As we shall see, there are some fruitful points of con contact between the situation and the exiled disciples of Jesus in the apostolic age and challenges and temptations for Christians today. James, therefore, has some remarkably prudent wisdom for us, especially how not to respond to anti-Christian oppressors. Even so, in explaining and applying what James has written, I have attempted to clarify and qualify everything by answering every question that may rise for a modern reader. My, prim my primary purpose has been to explain and apply the admonitions of James. So, he's not, he's not taking a position. Uh, Chris Walsworth yesterday when I was talking about this, he asked, does this uh, book address the Christian nationalism issue? It doesn't. Um, that's, that's a conversation that I'm sure we will have, have the opportunity to go over in this class. But Jeff Myers did not take a stance on that in this book. Um, that being said, I do want to uh, look at the lay of the land that we're dealing with right now. So, next slide. Uh, my, my wife wanted transitions. So, you'd be a fool not to talk to your wife. So, so we have transitions in here. So, why this book? Why now? Um, it, it was a funny thing. I made a point of looking for it when I pulled in this morning, uh, and I was looking for uh, this right here. This is the uh, Christian ecumenical flag. Uh, many of us have, many of us who grew up in this church, we remember uh, pledging allegiance to the Christian flag. Um, so, so this is particularly uh, poignant for me when I see this. And where this is, uh, it, if anybody doesn't know, this is at the January 6th riots. And my point isn't to uh, take a stand on this, um, you know, on, on either side. My, my point is just to point out that this is front and center. We need to watch the optics here. Okay, we should be, we should be uh, very concerned that that's the thing that ends up being central in this picture. This is how they view us. This, this is how uh, the media views us. And, they, and they're going to make hay with this. They're, go, they're going to, well, I, I, if, if you watch MSNBC or CNN uh, in, in the last couple years, they talk about Jan, the January 6th riots and Donald Trump. They talk about that uh, 365 days a year, 24-7. Okay, and the latest conversation is on Christian nationalism, and this doesn't help. I don't have a problem with the Christian flag, and I don't have a problem with raising it high. 
but that doesn't help. Does anybody have any uh, thoughts or comments on that? Mm. You don't want your flag associated with a riot on the, in, in attacking the Capitol. Mm. No, you don't. Right, and 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 one of the things one of the things we saw that day was there were there were lots of people uh, glorifying this, and I I like to take the approach of uh, I'm I'm not sure what happened. I don't I don't know. I'm not there, but maybe. Maybe we should uh, use some wisdom and wait and see what's happening here. But to have have this flag raised high, you know, that's that's not how they see us. There were um, some of the phrases that I've seen thrown around are uh, Christian extremism, Christian nationalism, and uh, my my favorite uh, Christian supremacy. You know, as as if our God was supreme or something. Um, okay, the next slide here. And I don't know if any of you, yeah, once again, the transitions, thank my wife. Um, so, is, is anybody familiar with this picture? Has anybody seen this? Okay, I, I've seen this picture quite a bit. This is a uh, pro-life center. And what that says there is, if abortions aren't safe, neither are you. And, uh, and over there in the corner, there's a little anarchist symbol, spray-painted. They busted in the windows. Uh, this was perpetrated by a uh, group. Uh, they're calling themselves uh, Jane's Revenge. So it, it, I mean, it's a bunch of cosplaying nerds, but they're, they're getting away with <laughs> they're getting away with this. Um, nobody's nobody's prosecuting them. No, uh, nobody's doing anything about it, and what what they're violating here is what they what they call the Face Act, and I'll get into that in a moment in a couple other slides. Um, same thing, uh, pro life pregnancy center, uh, private private investigators to look into attack. They blast FBI's. Where's the manhunt? So, and and I don't know if you recently heard there was a uh, there there was actually a father in his home recently. Arrested because uh, he w he was protesting the uh, abortion centers. He was he was not violating the Face Act, but somebody confronted him, and there was a scuff when he pushed he pushed the uh, other man down. And then and then uh, uh, it was months later, the FBI raided his home. They uh, they they raided his home. His kids were scared. His wife was scared. I can't remember the name of the man. I was looking for the article, and it's hard to find everything because everything gets uh scrubbed so quickly. Um, yeah, it, ha it happened in his house. He, no, 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 no. He was, he was protesting, uh, he, he was protesting a, uh, abortion center. And, uh, so, and so the, you know, one person confronted him and, and I, I think it was something like his, I, I don't want to, I don't want to quote cause I don't want potential bearing false witness, but I think the situation was the the gentleman who confronted him swore in front of his kids, and it was, "Hey, you don't swear in front of my kids." And then there was a push back and forth, a scuffle. Not not even really a fight or anything, but it was months later that he was raided by the FBI, and what they said was that he was breaking the uh, Face Act, which 
Dad, do you remember what the FACE Act? Uh, Freedom of access to clinic entrances. Um, and, and so what, what that basically does is it, it was a law that was made to protect, uh, it supposedly protects both abortion centers and uh, pro-life centers. But, but uh, it's being used for the one but not for the other is the point. Um, a couple other things I want to get into. This is a, uh, are, you pray, are you praying? Authorities arrest a woman for silently praying outside an abortion clinic. That was over in the UK. So, um, so this, wo this woman, is, just by praying, she's raising a protest and she's, she was arrested. And this, I don't know if, if anybody's familiar with this. Uh, it's, it's not very clear from the, from the clip here. But there was a father, Frank Pavone, and he was recently um, he he was recently defrocked by the Pope. He takes a very uh, strong abortion stance. Um, he he had posted some um, the the real issue is that he posted some graphic um, images on on Facebook or, or social media talking about abortion, which is a very graphic thing, and he was expressing pro-life views in very graphic detail, and therefore he was defrocked. What they call that is laicized, um, and I, I actually like the term. It, if I, I think if we were to look at uh, where the word comes from, laicized, it sounds like you're being cut down to laity. Laicized. Um, and, and I'd have to look into the uh, etymology of that word. Um, does anybody have any comments on any of this before we move on? Mm -hmm. Won't that also kind of be breaking the third commandment, as in taking God's name in vain? Or, uh, or, 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 or do you think that could possibly just be a uh, bad, bad uh, place, wrong place, wrong time? You know, we, we um, as, as Christians, and that, that's an excellent thought, Dave. Um, as Christians, we should we should always be very careful about taking the Lord's name in vain, whether it's done uh, purposely or in foolishness. So, so that's a good point. Um, we want to be careful not to take the Lord's name in vain, and, and that's that's one of the points uh, that that uh, Dad was making. With you know, be careful that they can't say evil of you. Yeah. So. All this is just to show the lay of the land that we're we're not we're not in a particularly friendly culture to us as Christians right now. Did I go to the next slide? Come on, wake up. Here we go. So how do we respond? Do we seek revenge? We could pass legislation. Um, we've already addressed the FACE Act. Is that really helping us out? I would say it's not. Or will we re remember our primary weapons? What are our primary weapons? Covenant renewal worship. Prayer, worship, and song. The battleground is everywhere, including our churches, our homes, and the public square.
So I have some thought questions for you. Was it a good thing that the early Christians were persecuted? Anybody have any thoughts on that? Yes and no. Yes, because we have results after that, because of that class and church growth, and they was uh, run away from Jerusalem, and no, because they was suffering. <laughs> yeah, suffer, but yeah. they paid the price, and they got uses for, for growing church, yeah. All things work together for good. Yeah. Mm. Yes. And then there's the Tertullian quote, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Mm. And, and uh, in, a couple in a couple slides I have something that's uh, pretty relevant to that, and, I, and I'm looking forward to uh, sharing that with you. Uh, but let's just, keep, let's just keep that in mind, that the blood of the martyrs is the, the uh, seed of the church. Um, the church is losing ground. How might God use this? Does anybody have any thoughts on that? Uh, I get what General said it, but it's kind of like we're surrounded. It's like good, we can attack in any direction because there's so much that we can do. I like that word. Kind of like, like the fact that our enemy is so big kind of makes it more exciting, I guess, because just. I believe you kind of know what I'm getting at. Yes. Um, we're surrounded. Good, we can attack in any direction. I like that. It, it, it's becoming more and more clear um, who who the enemy, who who the enemy is, and who the good guys are. Um, we we might still find it. We might still find it difficult to decipher from time to time, and we'll get a little bit into that as as well in a few, in a couple of slides. Did I have another one? If we here in South, South uh, excuse me, what's it, what city do we live in? If we here in Summersworth, New Hampshire, were scattered, could that be a good thing? And that's something that we don't like to think about. That's it's something it's something I've been struggling with. The more roots that I put down here, uh, and, and I've lived in Summersworth, New Hampshire all my life but the the more things you have the the greater the risk so uh if you're like me you're enjoying the blessings of marriage uh or you you know and you have a child you have a home and and you you're considering all these things you have to consider that when your workplace uh sends sends you an email asking for your pronouns you know, we're we're going to have a we're going to have a diversity meeting today, so that's that that's something that you have to consider. And I'm not saying to take a cowardly approach, but there's I'm actually saying just the opposite. But there's a there's a lot more skin in the game, and so it's a, it's a frightening thing to face uh, having having the work that and, and we've put down a lot of roots here. In Summersworth, New Hampshire, this church. 
Are we willing to lose it all for Christ's kingdom? I actually heard somebody say that, that even your church ministry, you know, if you've been a pastor and you've been working there for um, many years, you have to be willing to lose that, not foolishly, but lose it for Christ's kingdom. Yes. Mm. He basically knew more than we did that he was putting it all on the line. He knew that all could be lost. He, he had a because he he's had a bigger picture than we did, mm. and he lost friends. He lost loyalties among his. You know, a lot of a lot of his friends just deserted him, and um, pastor friends too. And he he knew what he was Yes. And 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 it's and it's one of the it's one of the uh, things that's going to challenge our understanding uh, of what God's doing. We always assume we know what God's doing. We assume we know what God's doing here with Tri City Covenant Church and Tri City Christian Academy, but we don't know if we don't know how it would accomplish his greater plan if he were to take it all away. And I'm not suggesting that he's going to take it all away, but, but he could, he, he might have, he might, he might want to scatter this people for some reason. I, I don't see that on the horizon for this particular church, but you, you never know what God's doing. Um, a lot of these, a lot of these pastors, um, that, I, that I listen to their podcast from the, CREC, they didn't, they didn't just uh, happen to live in Moscow, Idaho, or wherever they're, they're at. They moved there, and, and they were seeking to do God's will. They probably had roots wherever they were, but they moved there to do God's will. Um, so, Joe? One of the things in uh, working at the school over the last several years that has become more and more apparent is that Oftentimes, children are making the decision about where and how they're educated. Mm. Uh, and with that, with children comes and childishness, you have a lot of volatility because children oftentimes are slave to their emotions and there's a lot of volatility there. And so, in the approach to teaching students, really trying to embed the faith and really trying to give them opportunities to express it and see how they can live out their faith really seeing that more missionally than I think I used to, um, knowing that in any given year, the likelihood of having a student start and finish uh, is much lower, you know, than it, it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, you can look at that in a defeatist sort of a tone and say, well, I wish they were kindergarten or 12th grade. Yeah, absolutely. But it's not always very likely. So seeing it, okay, well, we have this year, or maybe we have two years and three years, and rather than having, you know, kind of a defeatist, well, you know, God is probably going to send them away, Mm -hmm. you know, and just kind of not put a lot into it, okay, well, yeah, I mean, you might send them away, 
how are we going to equip them in a time now? You know, how as a school and as a church are we going to be offensive and be offensive uh, during the time that they are here really is a critical component, I think, to our work. And we really are so poised to be very offensive in this culture, in this time that the church is losing ground. Um, you know, the more and more that I interact with the broader cultural in different contexts, whether it's the civil uh, servants or even students that have no idea about what being a Christian is about, it really is a ground that they, they know that there's a void and they mm. are yearning for something more meaningful. Um, mm. It really is a great opportunity. I don't know if you guys have found that as well. I mean, you guys deal with you know people outside of these walls. I, I just want to say a thought. Uh, I, I believe you had your hand raised, but I, I just I just want to add one thought to that. Um, what, what you're saying is very correct, Joe. Um, and there there's a void there. Um, I I just like to change it from saying that there's a void there to saying that there's um, a lot of a lot of empty ground there. Um, and it's fertile for planting. Fertile ground needs seed. Uh, another, in the context of the school, uh, our school here, and the fact that we know that an enrollment may be short-lived mm -hmm. in today's culture. Um, I mean, I, I, I have kids leaving because they, they have a, a middle school girl will have a fight with some other girl, and they'll leave the school. Mm. They'll tell their parents they'll leave the school, and they will. But the posture we have to have, uh, you know, as we try to instruct them properly to not be so childish, uh, we do that too. But as they leave, when they leave, we have to have a hopeful mindset that, well, they may come back, mm. number one. Some of them do. And then number two, they're going to have kids. And I've been here long enough to know, I see the little three-year-old, little, little kids, and they come in the door to re-enroll them mm. in this place that they left because the, some girl didn't like them or something like that. And you know, so we have to have a posture of a default position is always to the hope. Mm. We may win. We may win this place. We have to always be prepared to win. Right. We don't win every time. We lose some fights, but we have to be prepared to win. Right. Excellent point. Um. So uh, one more one more slide uh, before we get into some of the themes of James, and just real quick, things have changed. Um, the the myth of secularism has been shattered. Okay, we. We have a long time in the United States, I, I would say for a, a, around a century, bought into this idea that, that we, we can be a secular country. You had, you had a comment on that? Oh, did I already switch it? Whoops. I, I forgot the subject of this whole course, but the transitions are fascinating. <laughs> <Was the, laughs> once again, mention it to my wife that the transitions were just amazing. Say, I don't know what he was talking about, but the transitions were just beautiful. She, 
she's on Apple and she was she was looking at some of the transitions that I could do here and she was having all sorts of fun and she's she's no 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 I'm I'm praising her um, um, now I forgot what I was talking about um, but just let her know that the transitions were great um, I I think I have to be done by nine thirty plus or minus out. I'll try to try to make this point quick and then uh, go over a couple of slides uh, that we need to get to. Um, so the myth of secularism has been shattered. It 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 doesn't exist. It's it's a lie that uh, we can live in a culture where. Well, let me rephrase what I'm trying to say. When we say that Jesus is King and He is King over all, and every inch of this earth is His. That is counter to a culture that says we can, you know, we can choose any God that we want. They don't like our message. That's why they want us silent. We've had it pretty easy so far um, in this country and what we call, not just this country, honestly, but what we call Christendom. We've lived, we've lived in a, uh, what we consider Christendom for a long time. And... It might seem like it's in decline, and I think we should be very careful not to say that it's in decline. The, the culture is counter to us, but I would say that it only seems like it's in decline. Um, this is an opportunity, and that brings me to my next point. It's time to grow up. We, we really need to, and it's part of, it's part of what my mission uh, for a lot of the extra activities I do is, is to... Um, just make people aware of what Christian culture is, um, what the Bible actually teaches. I run a blog and a podcast where I talk about these things constantly. Um, but it's time, it's time for us to grow up. It's time for us to mature. And you're going to find that one of the main themes in this book, see the origami. Uh, yep, there we go. <laughs> I'll have to put that one on everyone next week. Um, <laughs> The, uh, I did it again. I'm, I'm not pa very PowerPoint savvy. Uh, so, some themes from the book of James that we're going to go over is the quest, quest for maturity, how God expects us to grow, uh, genuine faith, trusting in God's guiding hand, controlling the tongue, we are the people of the word, response to aggression, violence begets violence, um, and teaching your brothers to do the same. We're all in this together. Um, in the introduction and the and uh, chapter two, there's a lot about the authorship. Um, why is understanding authorship important? And and this is this is uh, one of my points today that I want you to go away with, because this is this is the chief battleground that I've observed is there's a, there's a lot of misunderstanding about what the Bible teaches, a lot of misinterpretation. Um, understanding biblical hermeneutics is a primary battleground in our greater church culture. Hermeneutics being the branch of theology that deals with uh, proper interpretation of the text, including the authorship. So, to better understand what's going on in Scripture, we have to... Uh, be able to understand the context and what is going on at the time. Uh, any thoughts on that? Any anybody want to add anything?
say that book addresses contemporary issues. We can expect the beast from the sea, the beast from the land, the mm. false prophet, all of those things are right on the horizon. Whereas, in fact, the Bible teaches that no, they've already taken place in the first century. And that's a big, big difference in the way you live your daily life. Mm. You walk out the door thinking the Antichrist is going to get you and you've got a 666 coming on your head. <laughs> you will behave differently than when you say, we're winning this thing. We might, have had, we might have a bad century here and there, but we've had a good millennium. And you see yourself as winning the fight long term. Right. It, it, uh, it informs our eschatology. Phil, you had something you wanted to say? Yeah, uh, I think you all know Caleb Fleury. Um, this is tied over the German one. Uh, alumni of Tri-City. I took him off for lunch the other day before he goes out on the mission scale for a couple weeks. And I remember him pre preaching his last baton to it. And he preached on Psalm 23. And he preached in such detail to the kids for what I was saying. And we've all read it a hundred times. But he preached to the kids. His deliverance was so. He's now burdened with the hermeneutics of he's coming back this way to teach man's one time. And he says, what's important to these kids that they do not have in their head is the time that it was said and written. And it's my, my whole sermon on, on this section of James is going to be the time, the timing and not comparing it to your brain today. I was so pleased to hear a 22-year-old talk like that. That's coming from Caleb Fleury. I wonder if he'd be interested in uh, this book, or if he's even read it, because because that's that's a lot of uh, that that's a lot of what Jeff Myers is uh, coming off of in this book is he's putting it into the context and he's talking about how the context takes uh, gives us a different look at the book of James. Real quick, just a couple uh, slides. I'm not going to get through all my slides today, but I just want to get through a couple more um, before we end the class. Um, when Jeff first approached the Epistle of James, it was often seen as a as a book of proverbial wisdom, and that that's that's really the main point that he's making with the uh, authorship and the in uh, um, the context is that this was written to the uh, Jews, the, the Jewish church, the church in Jerusalem at the time of the Diaspora, and, I, and I'll get into what that means in just a moment. Um, but Jeff started looking at the book differently after hearing Peter Lightheart argue that James the Apostle is, is the author, not uh, James the Just, as it's often assumed. It's often assumed that it was James, uh, James the brother of Jesus, who is James the Just. Um, and this, this puts the Epistle of James directly in the context of the early Christian diaspora. Any th thoughts on that? Dennis? So, the only argument that he, I, listening to his uh, podcast on Theopolis, mm -hmm. he says that the only argument he ever received for it not being the apostle uh, James, James the apostle, was that 
it, it was, they said that that would have been too early. Um, James was killed. Yeah, James was killed in uh, Acts 12, 44 AD, and we'll get into that in a moment. Um, but he, but he, so it would have been too early. They say that the book is too uh, well put together. It's too, um, it, it's, it's too, it's too well learned, if you will, too well written for it to have been uh, James the Apostle. But um, Jeff's Jeff's arc, what? It is James the Apostle that was the author. That that is what Jeff Myers is saying. And and so the argument that most people have is that it that well that's too early, and he says well why does and Jeff's argument is why does it have to, why does it have to be written at a later date? You know, and and it makes more sense, the subject matter in the book of James, if it's James the Apostle, because it would have been early. It would have been while they were dealing with um, this uh, this persecution, especially, hopefully I have it marked, but he's specifically talking to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. That's that's verse 1. And so, so a lot of it pivots on that. Um, so, he, so he's talking to the twelve tribes, which are scattered abroad, greeting, and then he starts. Brothers, count it all joy when you uh, fall into diverse temptations. So he's he's talking to to the the church in Jerusalem, and he's and he's addressing an immediate need of theirs. Um, and and I can I can get more into that, uh, especially next week. Um, one last slide, and we're going to have to end it on this. And I'm sorry if I've kept this too long. No. Um, so this is something to be aware of when we, when because this is a word that's used a lot. Um, I've heard it a lot, especially since I started looking into this book. But I've heard it elsewhere. The diaspora, which is often we often hear about the Jewish diaspora, which is the scattering of the church. And I just found this interesting um, because it's an age-old world. Uh, age-old word rooted in the ancient uh, Greek term desiparian, which I hope I'm saying that correctly, but I'm probably not. Um, across and sparian, which, which is to sow seeds and scatter about. So, so there's, there's that picture that we were talking about of sowing seeds and scattering about. When you have a scattered church, you have, you know, that's to have it, that word of sowing seeds Something uh, for us to consider here. This isn't a defeat. We're gaining ground. Um, and if I, I'll close it there. Um, I have some next week. We're going to get into some of the arguments about the authorship. Um, but I'm going I'm to close it there. Uh, close it in prayer. But if it, uh, does anybody have any quick questions? Any quick comments? Dad.
Yes, um, one one thought on that, you know, you, uh, like I think think it's another point that can be made with that same thought in mind is why didn't Jesus storm the gates riding a white horse, carrying a sword, you know, cloak di dipped in blood? <laughs> he why why didn't he storm why didn't he storm the gates of Jerusalem that way, you know? Mm. Yes, and 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 that's one. That's one. That's one thing that really struck me about this book is, um, this is our history. And it's a glorious history, and and we get to play a part in it. So we shouldn't despair. We should be thankful and have great hope. So a close in a word of prayer. Our heavenly Father, I thank you for the part that we play in the victory which is both now and not yet. I pray that we would uh, go forward with great hope as we address our culture and I pray that we would not have a defeatist mentality but that we would enjoy our work and I pray that I pray that you would uh, be with us as we head into covenant renewal worship um, as we make war and I pray all this in your name Amen.